0: Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. It is time for a classic episode. This episode is called How Ad Blockers Work, and it originally published on March 31st, 2014. And I've got some things to say about ad blockers. I'll save it for the end, and it's likely going to be repeated in the actual episode, which, you know, full disclosure, I have not gone back and listened to. So it may very well be that everything I say is repetitive, but that way I'll just throw it at the end. And if you hear stuff I've already said, you know, you just stop it. Anyway, let's go back and listen to this classic episode. Before we get started on this, we'll go ahead and say that, you know, there, there are the advertisers who make ads are not necessarily trying to make them to annoy you. That would actually be counterproductive to what the ad is supposed to do.
1: Uh, well, I, I would argue that some ad theory um, states that if you annoy an audience enough to get their attention, then that's a good thing. Yeah.
0: But that's but, but we're, we're we're getting into sticky territory yeah. there. Yeah. And we'll we'll cover all of that as we go along, but if you wanted to hear a really simple story about how AdBlock came to be, bad news everyone. As it turns out, Adblock has got an incredibly complex story because it is uh, one of those things where it's kind of like a Hydra, you know? Eventually, one head would get cut off and two other heads would spring up, and those two heads would each be doing kind of what the first head did, but they're doing it in a different way, and they're not really communicating with each other. And when they do
1: communicate with each other, they're fighting a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those that it's it's not so simple as to say, like, uh... Uh, You know This one piece of software, now it's version two, now it's version three. You actually have lots of forking going on. It's more like Windows, how Windows would occasionally fork into different groups, and you're like, well, I used to be able to explain the history of Windows, but now not so much. But you can actually trace it back to a single point, a, a historical moment, when the very first version of Adblock came out, and it originally came out for the Firefox web browser.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a browser extension. Um, Firefox being open source, it allows people to, developers, well, I mean developers are people, I didn't mean to uh, <laughs> imply that they're not. Yeah. Um, it, it allows you to create extensions or add-ons for the browser in order to um, change or improve or...
0: Yeah, to increase its functionality, sure. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's some things that a browser can do. And then occasionally, the web develops in such a way where there's some really awesome stuff you could do, if the browser just supported it and the extensions kind of allow you to create that ability.
1: Uh, right. And so according to one Ladimir Pollant, a Danish programmer by the name of Henrik Ostef Sarsen. Yep. I think I got that right.
0: Yeah. Well, also. definitely better than I could have.
1: Huh. Um, uh, who, who developed this extension. I I don't remember now if we said already in 2002. No, we did not.
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way, the reason why we said we don't know already is because you guys do not get treated to the fact that our building started to vibrate because of something going on somewhere inside this building and we figured you'd rather be you know saved that experience but that, yeah 3 minute break in which we went what is that yeah but in 2002 in fact he did begin development on this uh this was formally the uh adblock extension and at that point it was spelled a d little b l o c k. Now, the reason I say little b is because the other versions we'll talk about differentiate themselves with capitalization as well as adding other words. But uh, this is the first one. Now, this one could block images, which at the time was pretty much the main form of web advertising. It wasn't the only one but it was the main one. Right. So things like Banner ads that were at the top or the ones that are along the side of the column or even just inserted directly as like a picture inside an article. That's the kind of stuff this would block.
1: Uh, sure. And so if you found an image that you didn't like, probably because it was an ad, you could add that uh, that that images URL to a list of blocked images. Right.
0: And it would actually go all the way back to where the source of that image came from and then start blocking other images from that source, because, of course, if there's one advertiser that happens to run a lot of different campaigns and back in those early days of the web there were a few that had lots and lots of clients mm-hmm. uh, you could essentially blanket block a whole list of Swath advertisements of, yeah. right it
1: was pretty effective at the time
0: yeah yeah for for images anyway the they did have some downsides one of the downsides was that it did not actually prevent the web page from loading the image in fact the, the earliest version which they called, Point 0.3, uh, I assume that versions point 0.1 and point 0.2 were earlier were development. Were beta and alpha, sure. Yeah, yeah, never were released. But this point three one, it did not prevent the images from loading at all. It would, in fact, first load the entire web page, images and all.
1: And then block those ads. Right.
0: Now, this was an important deal. Like, people really wanted to have it blocked, not just, you know, from view, but blocked period so it wouldn't download, not just because people... Thought, or at least some people thought that advertising was really uh, intrusive and and it decreased their enjoyment of the surfing experience. Visually
1: annoying, but also was using up um, precious memory and uh, data bandwidth. usage bandwidth.
0: Yeah, yeah. so you, it would take you extra time to download a web page because it had to download all of those assets, including the ads. And if you could turn those ads off, then the web pages would load faster. You know, this is the era of dial-up. You know, I, I remember that era well. Uh, oh, I, me too. Me I, too. Not happily, but I do remember it well.
1: Oh, I kind of have fond memories of it. Uh,
0: not at all. <laughs> no. Huh. Uh, uh, you know, When when someone would would say, "Hey, you need to go and look. There's this funny picture, and you click on it, and, and then you,
1: six minutes later, yes, exactly. You go and make yourself a cup of coffee. Right.
0: You're like, well, you know, I'm just gonna go wander off for a bit. But anyway, so this ad block version was limited in its use, but it had potential. And so the next version of Adblock came along from someone else uh, because uh, Sorensen was interested in creating this tool, but not necessarily interested in continually updating it and uh, and 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 giving it more features. It was kind of a a one off for Sorensen. Sure. So we then have a mysterious figure.
1: So someone by the handle of Roo, whose name I'm still not sure of.
0: Yeah. Roo, R-U-E, as in, uh, you know, that, that spelling, not R-O-O. But, uh, the, Roo created Adblock 0.4 and went in a completely different way, used XML binding language, also known as XBL. Now that's a web markup language. So HTML is hypertext markup language. This is similar except instead of it telling uh, specifically like a a browser how to display things, it's more about defining specific behaviors of elements that would be displayed in a web page. So it's all about uh, letting a program know what any particular element is supposed to be able to do so that the computer does that thing when you make the command. So an an easy example is a scroll bar. Mm -hmm. If you were to put a scroll bar within the context of a web page itself, You know, this isn't, this isn't the browser's scroll bar, but something that's inside the web page. Then you might use XBL to define those behaviors. So you say when the user drags the scroll bar, this is the thing that's supposed to happen. Now in this case, they were using XBL to sort of, uh, just Prevent again these, these display, these ads from displaying.
1: Uh, but it could prevent more than just images, but because it was working within the, uh, the code of the browser, it could also prevent, uh, Flash and Java objects.
0: Right. And this was another big advance as far as ad blocking was concerned, because anyone who has been using the web for a while knows, uh, ads that are just pictures that appear on the, the top or the side or within a context of an article or something. Uh, That's just a small slice of the types of web advertising we've seen out there. There are a lot of things that have float over ads, float under ads, autoplay ads, which, boy, are those my favorite. Uh, I I definitely feel some sympathy here for folks who really get tired of ads that have, you know, a negative impact on your user experience. If they're intrusive, absolutely. I mean, if I go to a website where there's some sort of audio component that I want to listen to, And because I move my cursor and it goes over a a ad panel and then some advertising uh, audio starts playing at the same time, that's clearly not an enjoyable experience. Sure. You you can't really get around that. Uh, But anyway, yeah, this meant that it was more useful than the .3 version of AdBlock. Uh, But it should be said that because it was using a different approach, while it was called AdBlock 0.4, it wasn't necessarily a direct descendant of Adblock, Adblock 0.3. And this is where we already have some confusion, right? Uh,
1: right. Further confusion would happen because um, uh, Latimer Pollant, who, who we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. was basically unaware of, of this update going out mm-hmm. and created his own 0.4.
0: Right. So you have Latimer saying, OK, I know that this, this thing that Sarnsen did uh, was useful, but it was very limited. I want to make my own approach and try and create a more versatile, useful platform to block this sort of intrusive advertising uh, and started working on it and then was prepared to release it and then discovered uh, through some uh, I have no idea what the tone was from the basis of the history that that uh, that uh, Pollent wrote. I would like to imagine that Rue was a little miffed. <laughs> great was the mythage thereof, <laughs> and that um and that uh, Latimer found out that he couldn't release it as a point four because there was already a, a point, point four. four. So now comes the discussion of whether or not Latimer's work should be incorporated into a point five version. So uh keep in mind that while this is all going on, Firefox itself is continuing to slowly release updates, which necessitates that browser extensions be updated as well, because not to work a, with the new code. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So this was not, you know, just a academic discussion of should this go forward or not, it needed to keep uh, developing for it to be useful. So his approach was to look at content policies to both predict and block ads which ended up being an advance over the previous versions because it was finally allowing uh, the user to have these ads blocked before the page even loaded. Right. So now we get into that that era where things can be sped up because you don't need to load all the assets. He also had this discussion with Rue about what needs to be done. They decided to kind of collaborate, but according to uh, Pallant's history, he got very frustrated that Rue would kind of piecemeal pick the bits that latimir had created and then ignore everything else and latimir felt that a lot of the things he had contributed were being ignored and that uh and that some of the things he had made were being used in ways he had not intended Uh, there was one in particular where he said users were complaining about this particular interface and the problem was I had never intended users to be activating this interface. It wasn't meant for, for
1: users. Yeah. But
0: now it's part of what because I'm not the one who I don't own ad block. I'm not know.
1: implementing these changes myself. And yeah, right. so
0: that became kind of a sore subject. So you, you move forward to 2005 and no one had really. Worked on ad block.
1: Yeah, there was still some of that XBL stuff involved. Um, yeah. And, and some of uh, Latimer's approaches
0: were, to... were in there. Yeah, it was kind of a mishmash. It was like a Frankenstein's monster version of the of what what each person like Rue and uh, Latimer had both had in mind. Mm-hmm. But out of this grew. um what was going to be called Adblock Plus. Yeah, this is when a fellow named Michael McDonald, who used the handle MCM, came along. And he created a new version going back to .3 as sort of the point of inspiration uh, with enhanced features. He did call it Adblock Plus. And at this point, one of the things that was added was this ability for users to whitelist certain uh, file sources so that they would still get, those shown to them.
1: Uh, Right. White white whitelisting being the opposite of blacklisting, Uh, certifying that a certain thing or person or entity is acceptable.
0: Exactly. So instead of just having a giant X over any advertising, this would allow you to be more uh, selective. So you could say, no, I want to see these particular types of ads.
1: These ads are okay.
0: Yeah. So Latimer and Rue continued their uh, discussion about what should be ad block. And uh, Latimer even went so far as to offer to rewrite uh, the 0.5 version of AdBlock, and then add in the new features as well as try and tweak some of the stuff that he felt was clunky or not user friendly. Uh, but there was more disagreement between Rue and Latimer, and then eventually Latimer contacted McDonald MCM about AdBlock Plus. Yeah, and MCM said, "You know, uh, you can, uh, you can come on over." You can come on over here because I don't really want to to forever be developing this this extension. I just like you know Sarnson did years ago. He you know Sarnson said no, I made this thing, but I don't want to have to keep making it.
1: Uh huh. And and especially at the time Firefox was going through this kind of like update every other day sort of
0: process. It was really rapid. Yes. So McDonald said you know I really don't have the time and effort uh, that to to be the the steward of this extension. So so,
1: uh, Latimer, if you want to take it, yeah, take it.
0: And Latimer said, yeah, okay, fine. So in January 2006, uh, they launched Adblock Plus 0.6. So again, the versions are starting to get a little confusing because this Adblock Plus was not directly connected to Adblock. It existed as its own thing at the same time. Right. So we have two different versions going on, two different approaches um and two different communities of users. So then Pilat decides he'll he'll keep on working on Adblock Plus. And he wanted to try, you know, he it's not that he hated the old Adblock. He actually tried several times to address issues because as the the extension got older and, and less relevant it also became clear that there were some security vulnerabilities, uh, mm-hmm. and so he said, "Listen, guys, I, I found these vulnerabilities. You really should patch them. You need to. You need to update AdBlock so that this doesn't remain a vulnerability for users." And uh, then it got to a point where it's like, uh, "Really? I mean, I, I can. I can help do this if you need to." But uh, it was kind of one of those things where AdBlock just sort sort of began to die out at that point, point. and AdBlock Plus. Uh, was the, it, it's wrong to say the winner, because it wasn't like it was a real battle, but it's the the survivor of the two.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, this sounds like, like internet Darwinism.
0: Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. So uh, then you get into, I got really snarky with this note, y'all, but I'm going to go ahead and include it, because schadenfreude. No, in 2007, PC World, the magazine, named Adblock Plus one of the one hundred best products of two thousand seven. The reason why I felt the need to include this is because today PC World is online only. It it ended its print uh format in twenty thirteen and now it depends very heavily on the online format. You know, the one that is supported uses ads. Yeah. So um Wah, wah. <laughs> I,
1: I, did, I did want to mention, though, that, that it's certainly not the only award that Adblock Plus has won. Yeah. Um, for example, it also nabbed Best Firefox Extension from Linux Magazine in 2010, um, which, by the way, you can still get in print. Hmm.
0: So bully for them. How about that? So uh, then we move up to December 8th, 2009. And boy... We just we just got to the point where we narrowed it down. Adblock Plus was the only player in the game. It was going to be so much easier to talk about this for the rest of this podcast.
1: And then Google made an announcement which led to a whole bunch more mess happening.
0: Well, we have more to say about ad blockers. But first, um, hey, what do you know? We have some ads. We'll be right back. Okay, so December 8th, 2009, and this is the first time where we can actually put a specific date on one of these things. You know, again, developers don't necessarily write down stuff for historical records. Right. Which, guys, you got to start doing that.
1: Yeah, seriously, everyone get on that. I know. Well, actually, I mean, everyone is on that at this point because of the popularity of blogging and microblogging.
0: But at any rate. Right. This is when Michael Gunlock developed his own ad blocker called... Adblock with a capital B this time. Right. That makes it totally different. Obviously spelled the same way as the original Adblock, except that the B is capitalized, like you said.
1: Look, it's the Internet. Things can be case sensitive.
0: I just think that's funny that you already have a product called Adblock Plus. So clearly what you want to come out with is one called Adblock. But, you know, again, these are open source approaches. It's not like these these different uh, developers are all getting into it. In order to make Buku's amount of money, it's something that they felt was necessary to extend its functionality. It's, It's a passion thing. Absolutely. So this is totally separate from the original Adblock and also Adblock Plus. And originally, this was an extension for Google Chrome. And in fact, the reason why I said December eighth, two thousand and nine is that's also the very first day that Google allowed extensions in Chrome.
1: Uh, only in the beta version of Chrome, actually at the time, uh, it would roll out extensions for for Chrome as a as a whole a couple months later. But, you know, they they made this amount announcement, and Gunlash checked to see whether there was already an ad blocker for Chrome. And specifically Adblock Plus for Chrome, because he really mm-hmm. liked Adblock Plus. It was his favorite Firefox extension. And he saw that there wasn't and started coding one like on the spot.
0: Yep. And so uh, and now these days you can actually get it for multiple uh, browsers, not just Google Chrome. It also, uh, there's a version for Safari and one for Opera. Uh, Adblock Plus, by the way, also available on multiple browsers, including Chrome, Safari, uh, as well as Internet Explorer and, of course, Firefox, where it got started. Right. So th- now we're covering pretty much all the bases. And some of these, you know, you're, you're limited on choice. Like if you're using Opera. Uh, hello? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I know that the Opera fans out there are big, passionate fans. They love that browser. I just I, I think there might be three of you. But uh, hey, if you're one of those three, write us and tell us why Opera is the best. Because oh, I would, I would yeah. love to hear. Do it. Uh, I've I've used it a couple of times, and uh, that's all I know about it. So, at any rate, uh, you had uh, AdBlock going under version numbers like 2.0 being the first one that's being released for actual use. So we're no longer at the zero point whatever for AdBlock. It's it's on a to- totally different path. Again, it's not really connected to those. Other ones, other than the fact that the end result is it blocks ads. Right. Right. It's supposed to do it was based on thing. the same concept. Exactly. But it was
1: written from an entirely
0: separate bit of code. Exactly. So uh, one of my favorite stories about the the ad block extension is what happened on April Fool's Day 2012. Right. Right. So uh, this day, <laughs> the developer decided to do something playful by tweaking the code a little bit. So instead of just blocking ads so that you don't see them, it replaced ads with the internet's favorite thing. Lolcats. Lolcats. So it became cat block yeah. for a day. And in fact, it got so popular that, and people loved it so much that they went ahead and added cat block as an, as an optional add-on a to pa- it. A paid add-on. Yeah. You could subscribe and get cat block if you wanted everything to permanently well everything all the ads to permanently be switched <laughs> over to cats not not the entire internet not just a cat browser although someone's got to have done that i'm sure right i'm positive anyway yeah, yeah so uh interesting
1: yeah yeah um so features of good latches ad block are that it can it can block resources in Google Chrome so that the elements won't even load in the mm-hmm. browser right, mm-hmm. right. Um, and that includes uh, n- not just pictures but also flash elements it can block ads and videos like if if YouTube plays an ad before a video it can just wipe that from creation right
0: yep so at least as far as you're, you're concerned, concerned yeah
1: mm-hmm. um, uh, the current version I believe is available in more than 30 languages
0: yep yep it's got international capabilities built right into it.
1: Also a note of interest, in 2013, Gunlock launched a successful, crowdfunded campaign to, and and follow me closely here, kids, create ads for adblock so that adblock can block more ads.
0: I'm pretty sure you're talking about Bob Loblaw's (laughs) loblog. Uh, it's, that's what it sounded like to me.
1: <laughs> it was it, the the campaign was to advertise his his service adblock because not that many people use it. I right. mean, I, I think that as as of the the campaign, he was saying that only three in ten internet users had any kind of ad blocking software at all, um, and so he he thought that you know more people. Need to know about this. So that was an
0: awareness problem. Oh,
1: right, right, yeah, and and that you know if people knew. So right, so we launched this campaign, and yeah, they they made enough money to like put up a billboard in Times Square. Wait,
0: yeah, so yeah, they took an analog, an ad blocking company, paid for an advertisement in what is one of the world's most well known advertising meccas, in, Times Square, in, in meat space
1: where no one can block it.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm. My brain is hurting right it's now. It's beautiful. Well, anyway, if you're wondering, hey, what happened to AdBlock Plus? It kept on keeping on.
1: Uh, yeah. In 2010, it would receive an anonymous donation that was generous enough to l- to allow Vladimir to quit his day job and work full time on the project for two entire years. Wow. Yeah. Um. He he. During that time, expanded it for use with all of the browsers that we were talking
0: about a moment ago. Oh, and also Firefox Mobile and Android. I didn't even mention the mobile operating system. Right,
1: right. Um, and then in 2011 would incorporate what became a very controversial feature, a um, uh, developer-led whitelisting.
0: Yeah, so, you know, the earlier whitelisting we were talking about was about users defining, okay, I want to see this particular content. You right, can... every personal user yeah. using this ad-blocking software. This is on the developer side. This is before it ever gets to the user, and the idea was that... I mean, the philosophy was kind of interesting to me. The, 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 the premise is that uh, people want ad-block because they don't want annoying, intrusive ads. However... A lot of people still want to be able to support the sites that they go to and they realize that those sites depend on ad revenue. Exactly. So in order to make sure they are not uh, denying these these different sites that add revenue, that they are allowing, they're participating in this kind of uh, marketplace where we can have people paid for the work that they're doing and other people can enjoy that work. Adblock Plus took it kind of upon itself to define what a good ad is versus not a good ad.
1: Yeah, the the whole thing grew out of a partnership between Latimer and uh, a person by the name of Till Fida, who's who's an online marketer who agreed that lots of online ads are really terrible. Um, but but right, but he didn't want to see the, the the revenue from online ads dry up entirely.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of an idea that ads that follow a certain set of rules are okay.
1: Uh Right. If if they're not um if they're not preventing you from accessing the content that you went to that page to read or or auto playing sound which is terrible all or the video. time or video or um or otherwise just gumming up the works in such an annoying way that that you want to block that thing. Yeah.
0: In fact, ideally, according to this, it they, they has very strict size uh, restrictions. That you know, ads have to be a certain size and write all that down. Mm-hmm. But they ideally are text only. Which advertisers do not care for. Uh you know it's it, it, you know, it's not as eye-catching as something like that. As an a picture, image. of yeah. course. So but according to the whitelisting approach, it's supposed to be text only, none of that autoplay stuff, whether it's sound or video. Uh, it's supposed to be, um, no, like you said, it's supposed to be uh, unobtrusive, so it's not supposed to cover up things. You can't have like a a scrolling something swoop
1: in or scrolling yeah, or, or shadow box or, or yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, or or reform all the words to spell out this product is awesome. You know, it's not supposed to do any of that kind of stuff. Uh, and that if you played by those rules and if you filled out some forms and stuff, you could work with Adblock. You Plus. could apply to yeah.
1: get onto this whitelisted program.
0: So uh, like a company that would provide advertising, because, you know, the companies that you see advertising online, they're usually not the ones that are handling the actual ads. Sure. It's usually an ad agency. There are some companies that have their own ad departments, but. A lot of them will go to a third party. So if these third parties partner with Adblock Plus and create ads in this way, those ads would, in theory, not be automatically blocked by the ad blocker. Uh, however, if if as a user you wanted to still say, I don't want to see any ads, I don't care about the revenue thing, I don't care. All I want is all the ads An ad gone,
1: free existence. Mm-hmm. You
0: could actually turn that option off so that uh, you it was automatically on by default but you could turn it off in the settings and uh, and block all ads, whether they are on the quote unquote good ad uh, list or not. Also, it was kind of a um, uh, honor system approach. It still is kind of an honor system approach because AdBlock Plus doesn't have an automated way to make sure that the ads that are submitted, in fact, follow those criteria.
1: Uh, right. Once a company gets gets whitelisted, all of their ads are whitelisted. And it's up to the developers and also to the users of the program to pick out um, ads that they still find offensive and submit a report about them.
0: Right. So if as a user, you see something on a Web page and you think, wait, that doesn't fit the criteria. And I've totally got ad blocker plus on and it should be blocking all this stuff. You can report the ad. And then AdBlock Plus could take action and say, hey, guys, this isn't following the rules that we set.
1: Of course, there was still pushback from from users about this who said that, um, you know, first of all, they didn't agree with a group of developers making this choice for them of of what was and wasn't acceptable. Um, And second of all, that there was a potential that AdBlock Plus was getting paid to serve
0: ads to them. Yeah, there was a blogger uh, named um, Sasha Pallenberg, who first said that Adblock Plus was an advertising mafia, that this put them in charge like they were the ones who could say what ads are showing on the Web and which ones aren't effectively, at least to the audience that uses Adblock Plus. And then someone who has not been named, as far as I can tell, an anonymous person alleged that the developers of Adblock Plus had demanded a share of ad revenue in order to whitelist ads from his or her site. Uh, we don't know who this person is. We don't know their gender or anything, but according to this one person who presumably works for an advertising company, Adblock plus was saying, okay, well, if you share a a third of your money that you make from these ads, then you can totally be on the list. Um, not a lot of, not everyone who applies to get on the list makes it right uh, most
1: people don't and adblock has has adblock plus rather has said a lot about this issue online and in blogs and in interviews um they they published a uh a- Clarifying piece in October 2013 stating that it rejects over half of its applicants based on unacceptable ad practices right out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and that overall it only has accepted about 9.5% of its applicants to the program.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, over at Adblock, you have the founder saying, Hey, uh, I'm sure if I had a an option there saying, Show me ads that don't suck. Those are his words uh, (laughs) that my users would opt in, but it doesn't actually have that functionality. This would become so controversial that Adblock Plus actually ended up uh, in and not not just among advertisers. Clearly, it's controversial to them, but also to users, users who said, hey, I don't want this to be on by default. I don't want to have to go into my settings and change it. They ended up forking Adblock Plus because it couldn't get more confusing. Right. Right. Uh, and created Adblock Edge, which doesn't have any of the whitelisting features. It's essentially, this is, this is just gonna block everything, uh, unless you manually go in and tell it not to.
1: Right. Um, and, and a brief point uh, going back to that monetary issue. Um, in that company blog from Adblock Plus, basically they said that less than 10% of the applications that they've advanced to the final stages um were submitted with some kind of monetary
0: benefit to AdBlock Plus. So some were submitted with monetary benefit. Yes. That just raises more questions, really. I don't know that I would call that so clarifying anymore. <laughs> I think there needs to be a clarification of the clarifying statement. After this next set of ads, I promise we'll block more until we need to run more ads. Take it away, ads. This is, uh, is beyond just the issue of I don't want to see ads or I, I find this intrusive. There, there are other th- considerations that are legitimate that people have because today, the way the web works, there's a lot of different ways to kind of gather information about users, even in ways that don't necessarily name who you are, but if there's enough of your behavior there, they can totally tell who you are.
1: They can, and they can certainly track, uh, you anonymous user number, you know, X. Right. Online as, as much as they want to, and people do continually. And a lot of that tracking software is packaged along with ad serving software. Right. So, so, you know, in these are our modern times of big data, it, it's kind of an issue. Um, as of March 12th, 2014, Adblock Plus claimed to have the capacity to block 8,600 different trackers, you know, different cookies and scripts and all that other stuff that runs in the background of sites that you visit, uh, collecting continual information about you and your activities and your habits to either use or to sell to other companies, you know, uh, companies that are sifting through it for whatever potentially nefarious purposes they choose to or just other advertisers. Right.
0: It may not be so much nefarious, but it could just mean that you're going to get yet more ads.
1: Right, right. Uh, and and those
0: weird, creepy ads that are, show that they know what you've been looking at on Amazon.com. Right, right. Like when you go to Facebook and you notice that all the ads on Facebook somehow match things that you had just been browsing on a totally different site.
1: What really confuses me is when they serve me ads of something that I just purchased because I'm like, I I did like that thing. Yeah, I, ar- I already I bought, bought it.
0: I bought the thing that you told me to. I'm I'd, not going to buy it again. I'm not going to click there. Yeah. That's uh, what, what confuses me is when I get the ones for uh, enormous muscles, because <laughs> y'all, I don't know if you seen me recently, but uh you, that, I mean, you're
1: basically already already human perfection. I so know, I'm not really. Sure.
0: I mean, like, you know, I, I don't so much have a six pack as I have a raging kegger. <laughs> That's what I've got going on. Uh, but anyway, uh, so to get down to the the side that we're on, so we're. Lauren and I obviously we both work for a company that's a web-based company. We get uh you know there there are ads that run on HowStuffWorks.com. Absolutely. And so we we um, run ads
1: in our podcast. Yep. It's a, it's a different kind of thing yep. certainly but, but still but, it's mm-hmm. it's
0: that's how that's that's one of the main ways we generate revenue. Yeah,
1: that that is what allows us to have jobs.
0: Right. So if everyone were to block it and it got to a point where advertisers said, well, this, this isn't working because now we can no longer uh, make any money. Like essentially, if you pull the rug out from underneath that entire industry, you, uh, it forces everyone to have to rethink, how do I make money? Because if I can't make money, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go do something else where I can make money.
1: Uh, sure. So, you know, are you going to put your content behind paywalls of, of various tiers or are you going to rely on donations or merchandise? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and none of those are as uh, easy, I guess, as just selling ad spaces. Right.
0: Yeah. And it all depends. Like there are some larger organizations that have a, a, a historical following that can do things like shift to a paywall method and still stay afloat. There are others that cannot, Uh, just as there are um, examples of uh, uh, companies that or or individuals who exist on on patronage. There's there's the site Patreon now where you Uh can pledge a certain amount per month. For people who are doing things,
1: mm-hmm. so, and uh, or crowdfunding, you know the, yeah. the the controversial penny arcade crowdfunder that uh, that basically let them run their site for a year for a year without ads. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. so I mean there there are other ways, but it's not necessarily something that's within the grasp of everyone. So, oh
1: sure, you know uh, I, I think that the general recommendation is to if you like a site, uh, whitelist it and yeah. and let let it serve you ads.
0: Right, and uh, so yeah, I mean. This needs to be an ongoing conversation between users and advertisers and the companies that want to advertise. Right. Because, like I said, most most companies are saying we want people to be encouraged to buy our goods and services or to at least have a a more increased awareness of them we would rather that increased awareness doesn't come along with oh those are those irritating so and sos that always block it whenever i want to watch such and such
1: right right I, I think it's really interesting that in all of this google which is an ad company don't mm. don't ever think it's a search company no, because that's not fine. what they're there for um you know they they allowed they chose to allow ad blocking extensions for for chrome for its browser um Speaking about that, jo- Jonathan Rosenberg, uh, the senior vice president of product management, as of 2009, uh, wrote in an in-company letter um, that providing users with options can can really only grow and enrich the the internet community at large.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting take. I mean, particularly from someone who, like like you said, is working for essentially an ad company.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, right? You know, they they absolutely didn't have to do that, and I think it's pretty pretty beautiful that they do. I have a quote, actually, from another Google employee, one um, Linus Upson, who, as of 2010, at least, was Google's engineering director um, about this entire issue. He said it's unlikely ad blockers are going to get to the level where they imperil the advertising market, because if advertising is so annoying that a large segment of the population wants to block it, then advertising should get less annoying.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, the, the best way of going about this is to design ads that are uh, that definitely advertise your product or service, but don't do so at the expense of the user experience. Mm-hmm. It's really I mean, that's easy to say. It's really hard to do. Because, it is, but
1: but you know, I, I kind of appreciate that it's pushing the de, the design impetus back to the people responsible for it. It's right. saying like don't create bad stuff if right. you want people to not block it.
0: Yeah, don't don't go with the easy approach of using something that blocks their view of what they're trying to get at.
1: Or something that's so eye-catching that you literally can't pay attention to anything else on the page.
0: Right. If it if it looks like a MySpace page. Let's the you know, old school MySpace, by the way, is like what I mean. GeoCities, GeoCities. That would have been a better way of putting it. Yeah. If it looks like a GeoCities page, you may want to revisit that unless you're doing it specifically for the irony <laughs> and it's going on a site that that would that would fit in well. And that wraps up that classic episode of tech stuff. The things I wanted to say about ad blockers. So I used to be a big user of ad blockers because a lot of ads were so intrusive, particularly the ones that would just launch with audio and video out of nowhere. And it was really disruptive, especially if you're someone who's doing a lot of research. You've got a lot of tabs open. Maybe you don't even know which tab is the one that's making the the noise. I know that, at least in Google Chrome, you can see the little megaphone uh, icon that shows which one is playing noise, but when you've got like 20 tabs open, it's hard to even see that. So you know, it's one of those things where I, it, because the ad experience was so bad, I didn't want to have to deal with it. However, that being said, I also these days feel like it's really giving the short end of the stick to the companies that are running the uh, uh, the site or service that I'm on. You know, that's how they generate revenue. And if I'm denying that, then if you do enough people do that, then the the stuff goes away, right? There's not enough money to support it. And as someone whose job depends upon ad revenue, I I get it. Um, I wish that ads could be less intrusive. And I've actually found some ads to be really helpful. I've followed some ads and I've bought stuff. Heck, I've bought stuff from other podcast ads. And including some of my own, I've used my own, (laughs) I've used my own discount code to buy stuff. So they do work, but yeah, I don't like the, I still don't like the disruptive ones that ends up being something that sticks in my, you know, sticks under my skin and I don't care for it, but I definitely understand the need for ads and, um, yeah, I don't use ad blockers anymore. Sometimes that ends up being uh, a challenging situation, but at the end of the day, that was the choice I made. Not that I'm telling any of you guys how to choose to do things, just that it was something that I ultimately decided I would, you know, live in an ad-filled world because I want the stuff I like to keep going. All right, that's it. If you guys have suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, reach out to me. The uh, best way to do that is over on Twitter. And the handle we use is Tech HSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.